What's better than an all-day breakfast? Maybe we can have a long lunch. I would love a nice long lunch. I'll take a long lunch. This is Matt and Alex's Long Lunch. Hello and welcome to another Matt and Alex Long Lunch. One of my favourite artists has just dropped a new album. His name is Example, and uh, you might have known him from these classic songs. We'll be coming back for you one day. I guarantee you'll miss me. Cause you changed the way you kiss me. Love kick starts again. We are here with Elliot Gleave, a.k.a. Example. Hey, man, how's it going? Where do we find you right now? I am in the remotest place possible, Darwin, Darwin City. Goodness me, my friend. I've got a cousin who lives in Darwin, and it's as if there's nothing going wrong in the world at all. It seems to be plain sailing. How have you found it? <laughs> Everyone's got a cousin in Darwin. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful, man. It's... Uh, my first time here, people are lovely. I mean, there's there's only about 11 people here anyway, but from what <laughs> I've met, they are lovely people. Um, you know, there's plenty of culture up here, like, you know, real Aussie, the original Australians. Um, it's a colourful place. You know, the, the street art's amazing. I've had an amazing steak. <laughs> I've had an amazing pizza. Um, I saw, I saw um, your partner... Aaron was doing some, uh, you guys visit some crocs as well? Well, then, again, there's nothing much else here other than crocodiles. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she, so Erin's just been filming a TV show, uh, like an extreme, you know, survival style fitness show um, with a load of celebrities in New South Wales. And she finished filming last <laughs> week and they gave her the option of coming to, back home to Brisbane where we live and spending two weeks in a hotel room by herself which, you know, is when you haven't seen your kids already for three weeks, it's a pretty hard task. And the other option was to come to Darwin. And, you know, luckily for me, all my gigs in the UK are cancelled because festival season's over over there. It's not happening. So I just took the kids out of school and we flew up and we're having a, you know, last-minute Darwin holiday. That's rad, man. I mean, it's, it's lucky that you could do it. So you could go from Brisbane to Darwin and not be in any quarantine or anything like that. And so then... Or are you all in quarantine now? Well, no. There's, so there's an open border between Queensland and Northern Territory. And what, it's a bit, I mean, the whole thing's a bit crazy to be honest. I, mean, I don't just mean COVID and 2020. Obviously, 2020 and COVID's f- But the Erin <laughs> flew from Canberra to uh, Brisbane, was kept in a waiting room at Brisbane Airport, then for like two hours, and put on a special sort of quarantine bus to spend the night in a Brisbane hotel. She was walked to a hotel room and then, and you think, okay, cool. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're actually sticking to the rules. They don't want it to spread. They're, you know, they're monitoring people. And the next morning she was just allowed to leave her room freely and walk back to the airport to fly to Darwin. So, you know, it's just, it, it, obviously Queensland's not a, not a hotspot, but it just seems ridiculous that, there's certain rules for some people, certain rules for other ones. I don't mean certain rules for Erin McNaught, my wife, the celebrity. I just mean there was a load of people that they made go into a quarantine room and then the next morning they were just allowed to freely leave their hotel. So these yeah. people could have... Erin could have, by you know, potentially could have walked out of this hotel in Brisbane and come straight home. 
And then just gone out, hit the streets, <laughs> super spreader styles. Yeah, just gone out licking everyone, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess there, there's some individual craziness, but you're right, the full the full gambit of 2020 has been quite crazy as well, and uh, a fair bit of it makes its way into one of your latest songs, man, Paper Clips, an isolation freestyle which you uh, put out in the world, which has been awesome. Coronavirus got us all alone at home like Kevin McAllister. Can't go your local and can't go to Paris. Nah. Get marriage, bruv, right now you can't marry her Cut your double bed in half and put up a barrier And included just some of my favourite things, man You've got you've got your Kramer portrait You've got your uh, who gives a crap yeah. toilet paper And you've got some cabin porn Which I've I've got yeah, the book mate, Everything And uh, it's amazing to look through these just cabins in the woods Which you could just look at and dream of going and living there in seclusion. Can you tell us a little bit about your own uh, cabin porn experience and what are your particularly hottest cabins? To be honest, I wish I had a great story for you, but that was actually just a studio that I use in the West End in Brisbane. Oh, bro, you got to start flicking through. (laughs) Mate, they're they're, they're all belongings of um, the studio engineer, I'm afraid. I'd love to claim them as my own. Can we get him on for an interview? I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to just. You've obviously got the same taste as him. Do some Seinfeld quotes with him. Talk about our favorite cabins. <laughs> let's talk about. Let's talk about this album. You know, Alex mentioned Paperclips, the Isolation Freestyle, the new album. It is called Some Nights Last for Days, and it came out during isolation. And you weren't planning on making this album, man. I, like you had been. You you had tours ahead. You have these. You used to make these huge like dance anthems, absolute bangers, but you decided to go something completely different. What was the thinking behind Some Nights Last for Days? Well, like, let's just do a really quick backstory here. So you um, knew my sister, um, like 2008, nine? Yeah, we went, to, we went to a party years ago. Yeah, so you um, went, she went to, I think, Bondi Beach maybe or somewhere in Sydney. But anyway, she was like, look, my mate Matt, he's really funny. He's a big fan of your first album, your hip hop album. He's a, he's going to be a comedian. He thinks. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Still working on it. <laughs> I messaged you on MySpace, man. I even messaged you <laughs> yeah, on no. MySpace. <laughs> We've probably gone back 12, 13 years. Yeah. Um, Wait, because you slid into the Hilltop Hoods DMs back in the day as well. Do you tell me you're on examples MySpace as I well? I was Matt? on example. No, okay. Look, this is how I first started knowing about example. Okay, so I was such a huge Streets fan in the early 2000s, and I was across who who Mike. Skinner was signing as part of the Beats, and I remember checking out Mike Skinner's my page, MySpace page, and there was this like I'm going to say absolute pest of a dude who would just like rag on Skinner just constantly. I was like, who is this example guy? And so I clicked on it, and then I was like, oh, he's actually like part of the Beats, and I was listening to all your stuff, and I loved it. And then I, I went to this party. And and this girl was like, oh, my brother's, uh, you know, a hip hop, a hip hop person in the UK. Like he's just on the up. And I was like, oh, who is it? I might know him. And he's like, and she's like, yeah, there's a lot of people from the UK that rap. Like you won't know him. And I was like, go give me a try. And she's like, example. And I was like, oh my god, I know example. Then I slid into the DMs, and you were like, yeah, cool, man. And then that was about it. And then, uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so fast forward like years later. So I. My first album came out, which was a hip-hop album in 2007, Mike Skinner's label. Not many people bought it, but the people who did get it really loved it. It had like a cult following. And I, I used to still, you know, I'd do like, in, in London, I'd sell a thousand tickets, say, for a gig. Um, and the crowd would be 90% male. 
Anyway, I lost my record deal because Mike Skinner has lost his deal. I was about to move to Australia to join my mum, dad and my sister in 2008. And then I signed to Ministry of Sound, obviously a world famous dance label. And then, you know, released Kickstart, Change the Way You Kiss Me, We'll Be Coming Back with Calvin, the rest is history. So in that period in between then, like, so from 2009, 10, which is when I had my first big success globally, I toured Australia in 2011, met my wife Erin on the Parklife tour. Um, and then, you know, basically, I now live in Brisbane, and but I've only been making dance songs, you know, bangers, club bangers. I, I like to make music for festivals, music for clubs, but obviously I rap and I sing. But as soon as I had 27 festivals cancelled in Europe, I was like, well, what the f*** am I going to do? So I was like, <laughs> let's just make a rap album for the hell of it. So I, I posted a... I posted a freestyle of me in the car, which became paper clips, which you just mentioned. And then it got 100,000 views on my Instagram. So, and then everyone was like, release it as a single. So I was released as a single. And everyone was like, we want more rapping. We want more rapping. So I did more car freestyles. And in seven weeks, I wrote the whole album um, and recorded it. So four songs were already existing demos, which I had sort of like, you know, sat around, which I improved and finished. I got Professor Green to come and, uh, rap on one. Were they demos from like back in the day or were they like recent, recent no, ones? No, they were demos from like two, three in the last two, three years. Cause I write, yeah. I tend to write about 50 to 70 songs a year. And some of them might be pop songs that I write for other people to record. Some are dance songs for me. And some are just, you get in the studio one day and you don't know what you're going to make. And you end up making a hip hop song. And then my manager or me or whoever, we're just like, look, there's no place for this right now. You're doing really well. You've got your career back on track. You're, you know, you're, you're making money again. You're selling out tours. You're playing festivals all around the world. I did my first Australia tour last year in seven years. So it's kind of like, I'm onto a good thing. Why f*** it up? But then as soon as all festivals are cancelled, I'm like, well, no, I want to actually flex that muscle. And like rapping for me is like, it's like going back to the gym. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know that you can do fucking, you know, you can do 20 chin-ups, but maybe you haven't tried it for like 10 years. <laughs> so it's like getting back into that frame of mind and it's, it's exercising a muscle. And it was honestly, it invigorated me, reinvigorated my whole like mind, body, soul. And I put it out and I think we sold, you know, all the CDs. I, I thought we'd do a limited run of CDs. We sold them all out in five minutes. And, you know, it was just one of those like moments in time. It was kind of like a soundtrack to now, but also not specifically about isolation and COVID. There's a few references. And now I'm back making dance music i mean it, it's it's such an impressive exercise man like i mean to just be able to produce something like that out of nowhere just shows your level of of skill and and drive and uh, ability to make things happen let's have a listen to what the new album sounds like right here one sec i'll make the hip-hop then house djs think i'm shit hot i'll do both you want the off not only care about the beats for sick drops london town to brisbane what swap their max for flip-flops money in the grave like rip ross bet your girl dance for this on tiktok Yo, i will pick you up so girl fall over stuck in a rut then call me over lacking composure i want to get closer then i'll be your show those obstacles it's only the outside that they see Seen the best and the worst of me. We are caught up perfectly. That's how I know. So that's a sample of the latest album, Some Nights Last for Days. Uh, one of the tracks that we heard there, the third track you might have heard, is called Erin. And we spoke about your um, wife, who is uh, previously 
Miss Australia, uh, model, actress, Erin McNaught. She's now filming. She was at Neighbours. She's also (laughs) now filming an SAS-based TV show where she's fallen out of helicopters into water, I'm seeing. I mean, she's so... Do you want to hear a great story about that? Yes, please. uh, a A few days before she left, I can't tell you what happened on the show, but I can tell you what... She, a few days before she left, she was like, oh, my God, like, I'm not going to be able to wear any makeup, obviously, because I look like a dickhead if I'm wearing makeup and, like, jumping out of <laughs> helicopters. And, and I'm, and I'm going to be so pale, like, because I'm going to have to scrub off all my fake tan. And, oh, my God, and, oh, my God, and, oh, my God. And I was like, babe, like, it's the same for all the guys, all the girls. Like, you're all going to f***ing stink. No deodorant. You're all eating rice and beans. I was like, all those chicks on there with fake lips and fake tits, they're going to look f***ing ridiculous. You haven't got any of that shit to worry about. She was like, okay, but I'm going to go and get my, my eyelashes done. I was like, okay, go get your eyelashes done. So, you know, like, got dyed. So at least when there's no makeup, you've still got nice eyelashes. Day one, falls out of a helicopter and gets a black eye. And um, <laughs> oh, I was just like, it's like, babe, at least you got your eyelashes done. <laughs> <laughs> she, the injury looks so full on. I mean, it, but, it, but she's tough. Like, that's the thing. It's so impressive about, about you know, even saying yes to a show like that is really impressive. Well, I was asked to do the UK celebrity, uh, the celebrity version in the UK. And, you know, I, I, I like to, I say to people, unfortunately, I got injured. But in my mind, I'm like, luckily, I got injured. I couldn't do it, you know? <laughs> because uh, in the UK version, you know, apart from the jumping out of helicopters, it's like you get um, abused, you know, they call it um, interrogation, but it's basically torture. You, you do something called drown proofing on the UK oh. version where it's like you ju- you're in an icy barrel or in a lake and you have to, your hands are tied and you jump in and you have to bounce off the, um, you know, the seabed or the riverbed and then jump up, for, uh, take a deep breath and then sink to the bottom and then jump up. So you have to do this for two minutes uh, with your hands tied. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. That's, challenges. that's, that's the, the funny thing because I could do do the dancing with the stars, you know, your renovation, your <laughs> cooking, but yeah, the one in Australia is you're just eating gross stuff. It's like it's just degrade yourself for our entertainment. Like, I'm, a I'm a celebrity. They just go and eat a kangaroo's. You know what I mean? It's like um, that's not really a challenge. That's just like you've got nothing left in your career. It's like. If I had nothing going on in my career and I still had to pay the mortgage and feed my kids, I would obviously go on TV and eat a kangaroo's <laughs> to pay for that. But there's like, you know, everywhere, anyone, anyone, especially if you've got kids, you're like, what have I got to eat today? Yeah, I'll eat that. All right. But the thing with the SAS show is it's, it's f***ing hard work and, and they surprise you. You don't know what's going to be happening from day to day. You might, you know, you go to bed at 8 p.m. and then they wake you up at midnight to march you around a square and shout abuse at you. Mm. Yeah, it's not for me, but uh, congrats to Erin for being able to be a part of it and get through it. Um, and also, let's talk about the song, Erin, because it is on Some Nights Last for Days, and it is about your partner, Erin. And not only is it about Erin and your yep. relationship, but you she features on the album as well. You're a, a pretty honest guy, so I don't I can't imagine it was too challenging, but was it, is this one of the more meaningful songs for you on the album? To be honest, everything on the album is really, really personal and honest and close to home. There's not really any tracks on there which are, you know, me, um, you know, perpetuating uh, another uh, type of ego or image or there's no songs of, you know, like fantasy or, 
becoming a character. Everything you hear on there is real life. But the interesting thing about the Erin track is that was one that I recorded three years ago uh, with a guy called Johnny McDade. So Johnny McDade was in, is in Snow Patrol. He co-wrote Shape of You with Ed Sheeran. Um, all of Sheeran's biggest songs he co-wrote. He also did a song with me uh, eight years ago called Say Nothing, which was number two in the UK charts. And this was just before he worked with Sheeran. I'm not taking credit for that. Um, I did introduce him. <laughs> no, but I wrote, I, wrote this, I wrote this song with him on my wedding anniversary in May about three years ago. And he, you know, he's an Irish, Northern Irish. He's like, Elliot, what are we going to write about today? We need to do something beautiful at your wedding anniversary. I, I feel bad that you're not with your wife. So we obviously wrote this song called Erin. <laughs> and again, because at the time I was releasing tech house, techno uh, trance songs, I was like, what? maybe the public will never get to hear this. And and it was it's beautiful because obviously it's about my wife and called Erin. It's beautiful because it was written on my anniversary. And it's extra beautiful that she eventually sang on it. She recorded the vocals in Brisbane in April. And then the song got released for the world to hear and we did a vid of uh, a lovely black and white video at home with the kids and i think it's something that when the kids get older they can look back on and be proud of their mum and dad and you know it's a, it's a family unit song but i think the main thing is is the amount of people who were dming me and you know tweeting me etc and saying we are f-ed up perfectly which is the lyric in the chorus perfectly sums up their relationship because there's no such thing as a perfect relationship. All relationships are f***ed up. Yeah, I mean, it's, be- it's, it's an incredible song. And when, when I listened to it, when I saw it, I felt I felt a real insight into, you know, your the, the sort of the person behind the, the microphone or away from the, uh, from the spotlight. And you mentioned Ed Sheeran just before. Uh, you have worked with him a bunch in the past and you're good friends with him. I mean, when I was in London, was it two years ago, you were heading over there for his wedding. What's Ed Sheeran's wedding like? Um, I mean, look, I've been asked this loads and I'm not going to reveal much, but just imagine seeing all of the most famous people in the world completely f***ed up. That's all I'll say. <laughs> 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 I think that that pretty, sums it pretty, up pretty, pretty well. well to be honest, that's all I, I need to hear. Yeah, I mean, if I told you, if I told you names and details, but um, that wouldn't be fair. But yeah, I mean, put it this way: it's like Erin and I are there, just going, "Oh my God, look at him! Oh my God, look at her!" You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just needs to be a reaction video yeah, of yourself absolutely. and Aaron with no footage of what's going on and just some comments. That'd be that'd be brilliant. But it's uh, it's quite yeah. interesting, Elliot. With this with this being your seventh album, I mean, you drop a little Home Alone reference in the song we heard before, some Kevin McAllister. Macaulay Culkin just got on Twitter and said, "Want to have your mind blown? I'm 40." How how have you seen it now with <laughs> yeah, a, such a that. long career and uh, going into your own uh, seventh album these days? Uh- yeah, I mean, look, I'm 38, and uh, like I said, I never, I never even thought I'd do a seventh album because the sixth one came out, um, you know, 2015, and I thought I'd never do another one. And I just figured to myself, look, just re- I had one rule, and that was just only release music you love. Um, and I've kind of stuck to that. And obviously, Some Nights Last for Days was a nice little treat that I never thought would happen. But it's also opened my eyes and made me realize never say never. But I'm going to be 40 in a few years and, you know, I'm just grateful that I can still travel the world and and perform. Um, Because as I've seen in his career, it's the same with acting, it's the same with comedy, it's the same with 
you know, film. It's like some sometimes people have their moment and then it's gone and then you never hear from them again. And I feel like, you know, like when we talk about when Matt first uh, knew about me back in like probably 2007, 2008, <laughs> um, like I, I was given a chance then and it didn't happen. And I was given a second chance a few years later. I managed to write some great songs that mean, you know, I think timeless songs that mean something to people. And arguably I haven't had a, a moment as great as 2011, you know, when I wrote Change the Way You Kissed Me. It was like number one in 28 countries. But nine years later, I'm still touring, I'm still gigging, I'm still relevant, and I'm still making music I love. So it's, you know, I, I, can't, I, I can't even imagine what it's like for Macaulay Culkin to be that famous <laughs> at such a young age. And then, you know, I mean, he, not only did he have a moment, he had... He had like, you know, probably a good five years of being the biggest star in the world. Not mm. not even the biggest child star in the world, the biggest star <laughs> in the world. And yeah. and it's not, it's not surprising, you know, that you fall out of your family and there's litigation and suing and drug abuse and alcoholism. You know, I've battled my own demons. I'm kind of, you know, I was, uh, I suppose, a big deal in a few countries around 2011, not on a global scale. And I'm still thankful to be here and alive and happy and healthy. My biggest, my, my biggest success stories were always in Australia and the UK. Obviously, mainly the UK and Ireland, Scotland, and then, and then I did pretty well in Eastern Europe. And then Australia was always somewhere that I'd wanted to tour since I started making music. Didn't you know? I, I, I kind of wanted to end up here and live here, and didn't you know? Let alone miss Australia and <laughs> come to Darwin. To but, um, the truth is, is I, I had this sort of amazing three-year period probably from like 2010 to 2013 where I was headlining festivals all over the world I played in 62 countries uh in 2013 I did 128 gigs I did 115 flights I think you know so to be able to still be doing this now when you think of like our I'm you know we're all the same age group the amount of bands that we've seen come and go rappers seen come and go um, okay, you're not always going to be in the Triple J Hot 100. You're not always going to be number one in the charts. But to even still get bookings and to still be able to go on stage at a festival in, you know, Perth or uh, Singapore or Hungary or Slovenia and there'll be 10, 20, 30,000 people and they know three of your songs or they know one of your songs, that's still a buzz. Absolutely. And I, it sort of reminds me, Elliot, of something that uh, the coach of Collingwood said in the last couple of days because there was a newspaper article about how he'll never, he'll, he'll always have this thing, he'll always have this thing, which I know, sim- I think because he headlined Stereo Sonic a few years ago um, and then before he got into coaching. But um, there was a, um, there was. A, a newspaper article that came out that is like, oh, if he doesn't get a premiership, it'll always be a blight on his, um, you know, life. And he said, the, he had a press conference, the interview was over, but he sort of just said to everyone, can I just address something that happened? And they just said, I'm fulfilled in my life. I, I don't need things. Like whether it happens, whether it doesn't, that's not going to define me. I've, you know, I have a very happy life. And yeah, I thought it was it was quite interesting because you're right. You know, you could be looking at people at Ed Sheeran's wedding who have had more number ones than you. You could have be looking at uh, other people could be looking at you. And examples had so much more success for me. So how do you define sort of success, and how do you how do you find happiness these days, and, and what does it mean to you? Well, that mate, funny you mentioned Sheeran again. Then I mean, I've told this story before, so it's not like an exclusive. But I was at an Ed Sheeran gig 
probably four years ago and I was sat next to Ed's dad um, in the Royal Albert Hall watching Ed play a Teenage Cancer Trust charity gig. And um, his dad actually said to me, Elliot, stop worrying about how well you've done and comparing yourself and competitiveness, et cetera, et cetera. And he wasn't talking about me and Ed because I always knew Ed was going to play stadiums and do stuff that I could never do. But he was essentially, he basically turned around to me, Ed Sheeran's dad, and said, you should just focus on your family because that's your biggest achievement. Um, to meet someone you love, settle down and have beautiful kids and raise them properly. And ever since then, I've kind of chilled a bit. I mean, like, you know, obviously my mum and dad said similar stuff and I massively value their opinion. But to hear it from someone like Ed Sheeran's dad, that really helps. But then I guess, you know, like I, I was, I think I was a bit f***ed up at a festival last year and a girl was interviewing me and she was a bit sort of spiteful and moody. And she was like, how does it feel, you know, potentially like, you know, you know, your legacy might only ever be known as having that one massive <laughs> song, you know, just like that one go-to song that everyone in the world knows. And, you know, like that was your calling card. How does it feel? And I was like, well, how does it feel having never written a massive song like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she was like, and she kind of like sort of coughed and lightened up and went, <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, fair answer. Yeah, fair answer. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, well, actually, actually, I think I've, I think I've got two or three of those, not just one. <laughs> yeah, if we're gonna be, if we're gonna be specific here, yeah. there's certainly a couple. I mean, yeah. and and so yeah. this was this was uh, an album that came out of the blue. What is next, for example? Um, you know, in Australia, are you gonna be? Is are we gonna see album number eight soon? I've been loving the fact that you've been uh, making your own tracks and uh, filming your own clips for them. Is there an entry into another world in the, you know, I've, arts? I've got another song coming in um, in about four weeks, like a big like house record um, called All I Know. It's uh, It kind of got like a South American Basement Jacks vibe. That's coming out in about a month. And shortly after that, I've got another big collaboration with someone I can't really talk about, but that's coming out. I've kind of got singles lined up the next six months like one a month i've been chatting in terms of like the aussie scene i've been chatting to briggs quite a bit on insta dm because i'm a big fan of his and i didn't realize that he knew who i was or was a fan and a, a mutual friend of ours put us in touch and just said you guys should record together so i was chatting to him so as soon as i can get down to sydney me and briggs are going to record something um you know Oof. hopefully a rap record oh back, back rapping you know that's got me excited. I just, I just make music. I I just make music I fucking love and work with people that I'm a fan of. And I remember watching Briggs on on YouTube maybe like four years ago, going, "This guy's a character. He's got a lot to say." <laughs> and I kind of feel like if me and him were in the studio, we it would we would definitely raise our, you know, we'd bring our A game going back to back. So. That's something in the pipeline to look forward to for, for Aussie listeners and Aussie fans. I tell you what, if there were two people who could, could, could come up with a Matt O'Kine diss track, um, that collab would be <laughs> Yeah, would please be the leave one. me out of it. Oh, I'm, yes, I'm actually please. worried. I'm not on Big Riggs' best side at the moment, so uh, we, we could really... <laughs> I don't, I, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from London. I live in Brisbane. I, I'm currently in Darwin, so I don't really know about the... The, the politics of the Aussie hip-hop comedy scene. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, honestly. It's so it's so awesome to chat. No worries, bro. I will say now to anyone listening, all right, wondering should I or shouldn't I slide into that musician's DMs this, uh, this <laughs> afternoon, go and do it because in 
12 years' time, you might be interviewing them one day. All right, so... uh, Dreams can come true. All right. Thanks very much. I love you, bro. I love you, bro. We'll chat soon. We'll see you soon, bro. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. That's it. The all-day breakfast kitchen is closed. Got a story we need to hear? All the links are at mattandalex.com.au.